Uh, it's picking up the sound. Okay, so say something for me, Dustin. Yep. Okay. Hey, I'm here. Everything okay. good? Okay. All right. Uh, all right. My broadcaster is picking you up. Sounds good. So let me just. Uh, okay. Okay. How about now? Okay. Yep. Refresh. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Refresh the page. People are gonna still know. But my uh, my broadcaster is picking you up. There's no doubt about that. It's picking you up. Uh, okay. So oh, they're not of, able to hear me. No, no, no. It's just uh, issues that people. Okay, they are now able to hear you. It just there's a delay. Uh, my Perfect. broadcaster Perfect. has like a 20 second delay. Yeah, I have satellite. <laughs> okay. Wow. No, mine is that bad. No, mine is built in to prevent. Uh, if, if somebody uh, uses foul language, I can d- delete that before we go live. <laughs> okay. All right. So they are hearing right. us in the chat room. Right. Very good. Outstanding. And had to refresh. Thank you. All right. So we're good to go. We're in uh, both chat rooms now. And we're live on Eurofolk Radio and on Telegram. How about that, folks? Okay. So, so two two geeky white guys <laughs> managing to get get through. All right. So so let me go back for the people who just joined. Let me just quickly recap. We were discussing Genesis chapter one and two, and its re- relevance to chapter three. Okay. And very quickly, the seed line position is this that Genesis chapter 1 is about the creation of the species. Each species that's been mentioned, uh, seed that has a fruit within itself, uh, the species that have seed within themselves and reproduce kind after kind. It says that at least four or five times in Genesis chapter 1, we're talking about genetic reproduction according to whatever genome that seed is, whether it's human seed, Adamic seed, other seed, wheat, cattle, whatever, okay? That's what Genesis chapter 1 is about. And then Genesis chapter 1 ends by telling us that the Adamic species was given orders to take, uh, to be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion over the earth. And that only applies to Adam kind, the Adamic species, which shows blood in the face, and not to other species. Okay? And then Genesis chapter 2 talks about Adam being taken from among those white people that were already existing in Genesis chapter 1, and a certain particular Adamite, was taken and Yahweh breathed the breath of life into him in Genesis 2.7 and, and raised, elevated his genetics to the point where it could accept the Holy Spirit. That's our argument from that. And then Genesis 2.8 continues that. And then so the, the whole point of all of this discussion for those who weren't able to hear the first hour or so is that our position is that there are other Tribes and races and animals, all of them mortal, all of them mortal in chapter 1 of Genesis. And then only in chapter 2 is immortality breathed in, or potential immortality, I should say, breathed into Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2. The individuals, not to the entire species, because we're not talking about species anymore, the word in Genesis chapter 2 is yatsar, which means formed. 
It tells us that Adam and Eve were formed by Yahweh and breathe, and he had the Holy Spirit breathed into them in Genesis 2, 7, and 8. Okay? So our position is that there are all kinds of people running around planet Earth uh, before Adam and Eve were placed into the garden. Okay? So uh, maybe you can maybe give your understanding or what you understand those two chapters are about before we proceed. Yeah, we'd love to. Um, if you okay. don't, are we able to do a screen share for video? Uh, uh, yeah, well, I'm not Should I just video. stick to audio? No, I'll just stick to audio for now because you know, I, I'm new to this okay. too. So yeah, let's just stick to audio for now. Okay, so um, yeah, and, and I'm going to go through some of the points from my my Kane Seedline article at the Seraphium.com okay. if anyone wants to, to look at that and follow through. Great. Uh, the article is called uh, The Kane Seedline Theory, Problems and Solutions. Okay. But um, in essence, there, there's a map there I've got that I was going to share, and it kind of shows both seed lines, that of uh, Adam, you know, through the, what, I guess uh-huh. the root of God, because I've got it represented as a tree, right. a tree of good, a tree of evil. Um, so I've got God as the root of the tree of good, and it goes through Adam and, and Seth and the flood and Noah and, and his sons and Abraham, Isaac, you know, Jacob, Israel, all the way up to modern Europeans. Right. And then on the other tree, I guess you could call it the tree of evil. We have, in, in from my perspective, not um, the serpent and, and Eve and Cain, but the fallen angels of Genesis 6 and the uh, the 200 that landed on Mount Hermon, according to some of the, the censored books like Enoch, for example, right. who fathered the Nephilim of Genesis 6. And now the, the, the details are a little bit thin in Genesis 6, and right. some of the other books fill in. And I'll, I'll, I'm happy to go through those real, uh, in a moment. Yeah, sure, sure. But because... basically the story of, of Genesis 6 is fallen angels mating with human women, creating cannibalistic tyrant giants. Right. who were, in essence, mutants, hybrids, abominations, something that God hated right. and even ordered uh, to be destroyed and wiped out later on by the tribes, this, yes. the little giants later on in the post-flood world. So there was always a war between these giants and mankind. And right. that's basically what I would, uh, I would, I don't know what you would call it. I don't know if I fit into one of the typical seed well, liner arguments. Yeah, it well, seems it, like I don't. But basically, my position is that the, the serpents of Genesis 6 were the seed of the serpent rather than in the, the garden. Yes. And okay. I'm, I'm, I'll let you talk first, but then I'm happy to go through um, some of the verses that support that. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Well, now we would agree with you that the Cain satanic seed line was continued in Genesis chapter 6. Okay. And, and they survived the flood. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have uh, you know, verses in Scripture that tell us that uh, the Kenites, who are the descendants of Cain, way back in chapter 4, survived the flood. They, they didn't, uh, they, the flood was not global. The flood was very heavy in the area of Noah and his family, but it was not as severe in other parts of the world. So my argument, um, our argument, okay. is that the deluge was... Deluge. Uh, no, it just says the deluge was global, but not the flood. The flood was exceptionally bad in the locality of Noah. That's our position. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, we, if, you, if we have time later, I'd like to go into uh, the global versus local flood. Sure. Um, but just kind of sticking to the main, the main topic here. Uh, first, a little bit of... Uh, I guess, context around my views. I mean, for most of my life, I was a, a 
pretty hardcore anti-theist. I was a arrogant scientific atheist. I wasn't a bad guy, but I, I thought because I went through public school that religion was to, the, behind most of the wars, most of the evil, most of the problems, right? no, it's most of the oppression and tyranny. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I grew out of that very quickly. But good. You know, in in learning uh, the real history, in learning what the elite um, do and believe in, and, and their mystery Babylon religion, I, I converted very hard. Um, however, you know, during my research, uh, I, I did come across this Nephilim topic and, and basically I, I came across the arguments for and against the Cain seed line theory. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> some of the things that I, I had a problem with when I, when I looked at the general and, and I've looked at your work and others, uh-huh. um, and I very much respect your work by the way, Thank but basically you. I saw some questions that I couldn't answer. Right. For example, later on in, in Genesis six, the Nephilim uh, pr- are produced as giants, titans. Yes. I mean, they're really big. Right. And we didn't see any evidence, as far as I know, that Cain himself was a giant or a titan. Yes. Um, and, and I don't think, you know, may- maybe yeah. he died before he had time to grow into it, but I don't think that's the case. It seemed like he had a decent lifespan. Um, so, you know, most, if not 100% of all of the other offspring of fallen angels were giants. Yeah. So that seems to be one of those eternal genetic laws. So that one was one of the issues that gave me um, pause. And okay. um, I, I also think that a lot of the arguments for Cain being the seed of the serpent were based on pre-Qumran context. And what I mean is people were going with the Bible that they had, but they didn't have all right. of the Bible that was removed, you know, thousands of years ago until we rediscovered this ancient Christian library, which not only verified the Bible, but filled in some of the blanks. So we got some of the books back, like the Book of Enoch. And, you know, it adds in so much more context. But before you have that context, if you don't use the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Cain Sea Line Theory makes a lot of sense based off of what we have. Sure. But I think when you go through those additional books, um, the Apocrypha, some of which have verifiable divinity in them. I mean, prophecies that came true, references from the books in the Bible, for example. Yes. Um, then I think that you have a better argument for the Nephilim being the seed of the serpent, not Cain. Right. Uh, do you want to cut in or should I continue? Well, I, I'll just say they're not necessarily giants. Uh, the, the reason, in fact, the, not every translation translates it as giants. The giants were, the, of, for the most part, the most outstanding and nefarious and memorable, right? Men of renown is, is another definition. They were men of renown because they were so big and so evil and wicked and cannibals, as you said, right? But uh, they weren't necessarily all well, they, they, giants. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, mentioning Enoch. Uh, the book of Enoch, and maybe uh, somebody can look up the verse in the Eurofolk chat. Uh, the, the book of Enoch gives the fallen angels, names them, and I believe it's 22 mm-hmm. in, in number, uh, headed by Samuel. Leaders, yeah. yeah. And uh, so the leaders, and one of them is named Gadrel. And it says very particularly yes. of Gadrel that Gadrel seduced Eve. Okay. Now the word seduced could have been physical or, or it could have been, a, you know, the sort of seduction of communism, yeah. for example. It's very seductive oh, yeah. to the weak of mind. Um, yeah, it sure know, is. It's <laughs> ideological seduction, perhaps. 
Right. You know, so I would lean toward the ideological seduction as as an interpretation of that. Right. But um, okay. uh, Are you want to continue? No. Eventually, we'll get to Genesis three fifteen, and then we'll analyze the punishment for the the results of that seduction, and then you know, uh, uh, I think you get a different perspective on that. But go ahead, uh, go ahead with your analysis, and then we'll go right to Genesis three fifteen. Okay. So um, another descriptor of the giants, for example, uh, given to Goliath, which was way later, post-flood, very small and, uh, you know, much more diluted in terms of genetics, more human than than fallen angel at this point, not a 50-50 giant angel um, or human angel combo. But even then, far later on with those far weaker genetics, they were described as having six fingers and six toes. And in many cases, um, historically, uh, we saw instances or descriptions of double rows of teeth. Red hair was pretty common right. as well. Yeah. And um, although they, they did tend to get smaller, we have the archaeological evidence of giant bones. They're right. as common oh, as dinosaur bones. They're just being covered up. That's so right. I, you know, I think that, I think that um, the, the, the interpretation of giant is something we can back up in terms of the science as well. Right. So I think they were indeed giants. Now, that, now, I'm not going to argue that uh, all Nephilim were giants. I think that scripture is clear. All flesh was corrupted. Mankind sinned right. against the beast and the birds after they were taught uh, yes. these genetic corruption uh, techniques, kind of like we're using CRISPR. Yes, uh, that's right. Gene hacking yes. technology people can use in their uh, in their garage at home in order to change their hair <laughs> blue that's or something. That's true. They could do so, that you know, now. People are already biohacking. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we're, and we're like in the days of Noah, all flesh is becoming corrupted again with these vaccines and stuff. But right. my, my perspective here was, you know, how could giants have been possible um, when I discovered the archaeology and the, the anthropology and right. the etymology, and not to mention all of the ancient religions and cultures all worshipped or believed in cannibalistic giants. And pretty much a universal flood story, um, a universal arc story, a universal survivor and his three sons. Yeah. Every and culture. universal um, yes. cannibal giants and serpents. Yes, every culture. So on the face you know of we have this, we have this. Yes. Yeah, we have this universal story that seems to agree. The Bible gives us more context on what they really were, how evil they really were. But I don't think that you know. It, it, I think it would be difficult to argue that they were not giants. I think a lot of people try oh, no. to do that today with right. the sons of Seth theory, but I think that's easily debunked. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. But science, yeah. yeah. From, from a science perspective. Briefly, I want to mention that uh, if, it, if it's hard to believe a giant could exist, just look at the liger. They mix a, a lion and a tiger, and the growth inhibitor gene turns off. It grows right. the size of a well, tank. It eats 10 times more than a lion or right. a tiger. Uh-huh. And it would probably take 10 lions or tigers to fight one of these things. Right. right. Um, you can look them up online. And, and that's a yes. very good example of a short lifespan yes. uh, Nephilim giant. Well, that's called hybrid vigor. And this is true uh, yeah. in, in, in hybrid uh, studies. They show that there is the first, very first generation of a hybrid tends to be stronger, bigger, you know. Uh, uh, but I think, yeah, it may not live as long because there's so much uh, uh, you know, rapaciousness <laughs> of, uh, of the hybrid that it, uh, it wears out its welcome, so to speak, pretty quickly, right? And you're absolutely right. The ent- every culture on the face of the earth has reported that they have dealt with giants in the past, 
And of course, mainstream science tries to cover this up. The bones you said, giant bones sent to the Smithsonian Institute either gets destroyed or buried somewhere in the basement, right? Because they, they cannot tolerate anything to re refute their precious theory of evolution, right? It's evolution okay. versus Agreed. creationism. That's what this is all about, right? Now, in Second Corinthians 11.3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent, let me see what serpent is in Greek here, Ophis, Ophis, through the idea of sharp a snake, figuratively as a type of sly cunning, an artful, malicious person, especially Satan, that's the New Testament definition from Strong's Ophis, Ophis beguiled Eve, here's the definition of beguiled, uh, the, the word that Paul uses, it's exapatao, and it says to seduce holy, beguile, deceive. So the exact definition of the word is to seduce holy. So if a woman is seduced completely, is that, uh, we can talk about mental seduction, Physical seduction, uh, yeah, we have a, an expression, especially teenagers talk, use the expression to go all the way, right? <laughs> That's a euphemism for actually having <laughs> physical intercourse, right? So what does seduce yeah. holy mean in this context? Okay, I'd say he's saying, well, it so, wasn't just mental. Ba back to you. Okay, so this this brings me to my next um on my article, the next issue that I had with the Cain seed line theory that okay. gave me pause was in Genesis 4.10, where in the King James Bible, it says, quote, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, right. and she conceived and bare Cain right. and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So this, you know, yes. not only not only the context here in terms of um, those those statements together in that order, they had sex and then she right. had a, a baby she conceived and then she bore that baby and then named him Cain. It, it, that's a pretty airtight or strong argument that Cain yes. was Adams. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems to be. However, uh, the, the the fact is that Genesis four one. I think you're talking Genesis four one. I, I think you said Genesis four ten, if I'm not mistaken. I, I might have been off. Yeah, yeah, I, it might be a typo. Yeah, and, and uh, here let me just go to Genesis four one and read it. As to the words, what they mean. So let's let's say this. And Adam. Now we're talking about the individual Adam. We're not talking about the species here. Okay. New. Yada, which is Hebrew for sexual. Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man." Unfortunately, the word "man" is not Adam. It's not someone who shows blood in the face. It's simply a male. I and she is and she is being quoted here. She said, "I have gotten a male from Yahweh." Now you have to understand that she is simply being quoted here. She is being quoted. It's not Yahweh saying this. It's Eve saying this. Here, Ted Wyland insists that this is Yahweh speaking. And it's not. Let me read the verse. And she, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, 
She is the noun of the sentence and said, I have gotten a, an ish from Yahweh. That's her, her saying what, uh, what was happening to her. Okay? So it's not, if she didn't give, bear an, an Adamic child first, the first baby that came out of her was a mere ish. It could be any race. It could be the child of a Nephilim. It could be the child of another race. It could be the child of another Adamite. Okay? And our perspective shows, since there were more than just Adam, Eve, and Nachash in the world, that explains where Cain got his wife from. When he got kicked out of the garden, went to the land of Nod, he had any number of women to choose from because the land of Nod was already inhabited by thousands of people. Okay? The Nod seed liners have no explanation for how he could go to the land of Nod and build a city with only two people, right? Okay, so there's a lot of inconsistencies in in the uh, non-seed line analysis as well. Okay, and so uh, I'm trying to locate, uh, okay, the serpent seed line, uh, and, and it says, okay, had, so uh, Clifton Emmeheiser, who is one of the renowned two seed liners, he, uh, he goes through the words, to eat a cow means to devour. It is used not only of men, but also of beasts. To enjoy anything as good fortune. To enjoy. It, it, it actually means, it's a more general word for partake of. Because I've looked at the various instances of this word a cow. To eat is just one of the many definitions that we come across in scripture. So here, uh, I'm not sure which, uh, what he's, uh, which concordance he's using here. But anyway, uh, but it's also used of beasts. For example, Isaiah 11.7, to enjoy anything as good fortune, the fruit of good or evil actions, sexual pleasures. Uh, Proverbs 30.20, to eat so, has sexual connotations, also to lay with, and he quotes Proverbs 30.20 here, such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have no wickedness. Okay? So, we, we consider all the possible definitions of a word, not just our preferred possible definition. Okay? Back to you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you know, I, I, in this case, I agree that this is a sexual connotation. Yes. But how how do you handle yeah. the part like the pre context there in Genesis four and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived yeah. like that that is confusing right yeah, if, if Eve it, it sure had uh, someone other than Adam's offspring right oh, that that is it's confusing that, that was probably the biggest really right yeah but that does not go over the point that uh, Eve that her first offspring and Cain was born first. Her first offspring was not an Adam. Her first offspring, and she just, she just describes it as an ish. Look here. I've given birth to a male. To an Adamite male or to some other kind of male, right? So that leaves it open, okay? And again, she's being quoted, all right? So uh, there is, uh, and uh, also like the word touch, touch not uh, the, the tree of good and knowledge of good and evil. Naga, the word naga also has uh, sexual connotations, meaning, number one, to lie with a woman, okay? 
And then what about nakedness? If you eat of a certain tree, if it's literal fruit, what does that have to do with nakedness? Why would they have to sew themselves aprons to cover their nakedness if it's literal fruit of the... the yeah. So, okay, right? Let's, back, back to yeah. you. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I was going to say that that, yeah. that brings us back to the to the uh, punishment part. I, I apologize about the satellite delay. That's my fault. Yeah. Um, I'm out in problem. the middle of the nowhere in Homestead. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So uh, you know, trying to grow food for the famine that's coming. But right. Basically, it, you know, let's let's go back to you mentioned earlier about the punishment that goes into where we're at now. Um, okay. They had to yeah. hide their sin. Right. How, first of all, and there, there's a punishment aspect with the angels we should discuss, but this is the punishment specifically of, of the woman and Adam. That's right. So if this, this is another question I had, if Eve was seduced by the serpent in, in, right. in your theory, then how is it that, sh that Adam had to cover his sin? And how was it that she was able to share the fruit with Adam if it yeah. was a sexual thing? I mean, why would he cover up his parts if he was not involved? And this because, is where we get the homosexual, you know, freeway right, uh, thing that uh, people are, are promoting right. out there that doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, as I said at the previous hour, and, you know, we had all kinds of technical problems there. Uh, our position is that there were thousands of Adamites, pre-Adamites, as you refer to them correctly. They were pre-Adamites of Genesis 1. They were all over the place, but they weren't yet in the garden because the, the word clearly says that Yahweh placed Adam into the garden. He was already alive before being placed into the garden. So from my position, he was a full-grown adult before he was put into the garden. And so was Eve, okay? That's when the breath of life was breathed into Adam. And Adam and Eve exclusively partook of that breath of life, okay? So in Genesis 3, let's go to Genesis 3, because this is, a, this is where it starts to get interesting. And the meanings of the words become very, very crucial as we get into Genesis chapter 3. So, Genesis chapter 3, 1 says this. Now the serpent, which is Nachash, and from its hiss... Now, wow, this is disappointing. Uh, Strong's Concordance doesn't have a thorough definition of Nachash. It means to seduce, <laughs> to hiss, to deceive. Nachash means deceiver. It doesn't just mean snake. And so here is another problem that uh, non-seed letter, they accuse us of saying that Eve lay with a literal snake. No, we never said any such thing. It's a, it's a deceiver, a seducer, a subtle deceiver, okay? And, and, it's, and it says that the serpent, or Nachash, was more subtle, that more deceptive, cunning, crafty, <laughs> than any beast of the field, and that's any other kahi, that living being of the field, okay? So Nachash is being compared to others. So let's say, assume he, he's being compared to a fox, which is known as the most wily creature on the face of the earth, right? A wily fox, right? Maybe there might be others that mm -hmm. can compete with that. Well, they're telling us that this Nachash was even more cunning than a fox, for sure, okay? which Yahweh had made. And this serpent said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat, that is, partake of, a call, consume, dine, 
devourer, wisdom, <laughs> right, uh, etc. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, we already discussed that the meaning of the word fruit can mean human offspring. Okay? In fact, that's a very common meaning of the word fruit throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. Okay? Yeah. And our interpretation of the word tree is it's, it's a genome. Okay? It's like the tree of life is not a piece of wood. Uh, Jesus uh, was of the rod of Jesse. <laughs> We're having a little bit of an uh, audio breakup. Okay. All right, let me repeat that. Uh, Jesus is spoken of as being of the rod of Jesse. A rod is a piece of wood, but is Jesse a piece of wood? Was David a piece of wood? Is Jesus a piece of wood? These Hebrew words have numerous connotations, and we have to check the context to find out what, what is really going on here. Okay. So verse three Agreed says, okay, verse three says, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, you shall not partake of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Okay, now there are numerous poisonous fruits, literal fruits, in the garden, but most of them are really poisonous, and well, at least uh, the ones that are bad will give you a tummy ache at worst, nausea, and some of them may kill you because they're poisonous, right? But we don't see there's any, uh, because he just said that uh, all of these things are good for food. So there's nothing there that's poisonous because it just told us that these things are good for food, okay? But there's a certain mm -hmm. one a that, yeah. that, yeah, but there's a certain one, if you do eat it or even touch it, you may die. Okay, it says, lest ye die. Mm -hmm. You may die if you touch it. Well, that you're inviting deception, and then the serpent continues. Now, obviously, this is not a literal snake, because she is having a discussion about the, the commandments that Yahweh gave to her and Adam, right? No literal snake can do that. All right, verse 4. And Nachash said unto the woman, well, go ahead. Well, uh, I want to mention then um, real fast there, um, part of the punishment for the snake, the serpent, is that it would have to slither about on its belly. Right. And that it, um, I believe there yes. was another, I don't know if this was apocryphal or not, but I think there was something in there about the serpent losing its ability to speak. I, I think that may be, yeah. um, that may be something pseudepigrapha, right. not necessarily spiritual. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's in Genesis uh, 3.14. And, uh, and 3.14 and 15 are really crucial the proper understanding. And that's, uh, so finish your thought uh, you were going to say uh, about the punishment. Well, so the, there was, there was the part about the punishment of Adam and Eve and the serpent right. there and Adam and Eve had to cover themselves, which I, right. I it, honestly, it still doesn't make any sense to me with, with Adam yeah. having to cover his okay, parts well, as well. Okay, yeah, so I didn't, physically yeah. seduced. I didn't answer but that fully. Th there was also the part about the angels, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Right, yeah. So, because we interpret these verses from Genesis 1 and 2, that all the races were already created in Genesis chapter 1, and there were thousands of pre-Adamites running around, so Adam would have partaken of sexual pleasure with some of those other women. We're not talking about homosexual sex. We're talking about the fact that these people were already existent on planet Earth. And, of course, our position is backed up by anthropology. Okay, because the bones so, of all these races are, are way we predate six thousand, six thousand, eight thousand years ago. Okay, 
So, so um, go ahead. So two things there. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, One, a, um, yeah. How does Adam have sexual relations with a non-Eve woman? Now it does say Adam knew Eve, so it says Adam knew his right. wife. But yeah. even if if that were not there, how would Adam have had a woman other than Eve in the garden before he was kicked out? If no well, one else was in the garden with him. Well, it says uh, because there was uh, Adam in Genesis chapter two. He had assistance. He had assistance in Genesis chapter two. Let me see if I can find the verse. The beast of the field. Okay, now the beast of the field is any living thing that uh, is in the field. Okay, but the beast of the field was helping him. Okay, and uh, Nord Davis uh, wrote uh, an article about this, and he said, well, there's no way you can uh, have a a four-legged beast assisting you in planting uh, fruit, uh, planting a garden, because the word garden in the Hebrew is an enclosed field, a protected field, okay? So only those people who Adam let in were, be, were allowed in there, okay? So again, you see, our uh, let me just go back to Genesis 2.25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So their nakedness was not a cause of shame before Genesis chapter 3. Okay? So uh, let me see if I can find where Adam had a helper to uh, you know, uh, tend the garden. He had a helper to tend the garden. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so uh, let's see. The, we have the uh, four rivers. Uh, planted a garden, beasts of the field. And okay, yeah, go ahead. And while you're looking for that, I, I wouldn't mind touching on the punishment of uh, the Genesis six angels. We can wait if you want and go. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, because, because, uh, yeah, yeah. So with the Genesis six angels, they were basically punished for um, their transgression, and and it talks about other in other sections of the Bible, like Galatians three nineteen, for example. Quote, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Um, some of those, the, the multiple transgressions here we're talking about aren't just right. the Adam and Eve uh, transgression, but but the actual Genesis 6 event where these angels were punished. And, and we can discuss the actual punishment from uh, the book of Enoch and others where they were uh, trapped in Tartarus, basically imprisoned in hell until the very end of time. Um, and, and there's some prophecy that deals with them coming back, the return of the watchers. Um, and I think that's where we get the modern alien explosion right now and right. how governments won't shut up about uh, UFOs and aliens. But, but um, you know, I, I think that that uh, punishment would also be a good argument to make against the Cain seed line theory because the serpent of the garden was not punished in such a way. Why would he have gotten a different punishment? If God is a God of justice who uh, judges evenly yes. for, the, for the same crime. Right. Well, I mean, he was punished in the sense that if Nachash is not a snake, as we argue, and then his punishment was to become like a snake and slither on the ground <laughs> and not have the power that he used to have. Okay. His, his power over us was curtailed at that point. So if he was a fallen angel, which is what I believe he was, a fallen angel, so a part of his power was taken away from him, and uh, he would not have the ability to seduce 
the Adamic species, this particular Nephilim would not have this ability to seduce the Adamic species anymore. Okay. But this is, he's being demoted. Nakash is being demoted here to, uh, but it would be compared to a snake. Okay. So I guess I, I, it's, it's Genesis chapter 3 where uh, certainly uh, the, the beast, uh, he's being compared, the Nakash is being compared to a beast of the field. Okay. A beast of the field. And okay. the field is uh, field, ground, land, so- soil, country. Okay. So, so what kind of a beast is this? Uh, that that we're talking about, you know, I just compared it to a wily fox, but since our argument is that their other races were already present, that uh, that they could have easily interbred with forbidden species. This could be even the white race because the other members of the white race were not elevated like Adam and Eve were. They ha- did not have the breath of life breathed into them. Okay, sure. Yeah, and, and, you know that so, actually brings up an important point um you know if anyone wants to call us racist i mean we're not here saying that all white people are god's chosen people uh we're saying that it is a family thing and that one particular family had different blessings and there are other families in the bible that had different blessings of their own like ishmael for example a different abrahamic line so this is not a race thing this is a biblical truth thing i just want to mention that yeah absolutely Um, Go ahead and finish your thank thought. Thank you. Thank you. Well, okay. So let's continue through Genesis chapter three, and uh, and of course the serpent lies to her and says, "You shall not surely die." And obviously they didn't die immediately. It took uh, Adam to live another thousand years almost. Okay, but he continues, "For God mm-hmm. doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." Okay. So whatever the the partaking is, this will show to them the difference between good and evil. And evil can be very seductive, right? <laughs> okay. And yeah, I'd like to comment on that. Yeah, Go ahead. yeah, absolutely. Because there there's no piece of literal fruit that can tell you the difference between good and evil. See, this is another problem for the non-seed liners. How do you explain that a literal piece of fruit, if you bite into it, could tell you the difference between good and evil. All right? But he also says, ye shall be as what? Elohim. Now, they were still on planet Earth. They were given potential immortality by Yahweh. So they were betwixt in between. They were, I like to call it potential immortality, but they didn't have the ability to fly around like angels do, like the Nephilim did before they fell. They bent Elohim before they fell. And so he's, so he's telling Eve, well, you could be like us. How, how would Nephilim know, how would Nahash know what the gods are like unless he was one of them? All right? Could a snake give her this kind of information? This is a very intellectual discussion she's having with this fallen one, all right? So you can't give this stuff short shrift, okay? And then when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and we talked about food and and fruit, how it uh, it does not mean always literal fruit, 
Okay, and then, so this the okay, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Again, what kind of literal fruit can make you wise or wiser than you are already? <laughs> right? Uh, unless it's a sacred mushroom yeah. or something like that, which only lasts for a little while, there is no such thing. Okay, if there were a literal fruit that did that, I, I'd be selling yeah. it on the street corner. Okay. You know, I, I, I think I've actually found a clue as to what that fruit was. Um, I'm going to okay. let you finish your thoughts, but I'd like yeah. to share a yeah. quote with you. Yeah, no, go ahead, because uh, I'm done with that phrase. You know, uh, okay. Yeah. So when I was looking into, uh, bef- before I even converted to Christianity, when I was still um, researching the elite's belief system, and I mean the eyes wide shut style uh, parties involving kids and human sacrifice and you know, the, the kind of stuff that was pioneered by Aleister Crowley, who was Ooh. the godfather of modern witchcraft, a very right. famous yes. uh, occultist um, and a guy who wrote poems about dancing with dead children's bodies through the night yes. and had uh, sex orgy magic rituals and summon demons. And right. was probably the um, orgy parent uh, of Barbara Bush, by the way. I That's digress. right. I agree. Anyway, um, yep. the, <laughs> yeah, a moonchild. Yeah. Uh, Clinton, too. Anyway, so this... These uh, these secret societies that the elite participate in, they have very specific beliefs. They have very specific occult ritual practices that go back thousands of years. And they have uh, learned all of this stuff through the secret societies. I, yes. I used to look for a secret society to join of good guys. Yes. Couldn't find any. They're all evil. Um, and, and I'm going to quote uh, probably the most famous and oldest of them uh, of all, a Freemason uh, of all the secret societies, uh, 33rd degree Freemason Manly P. Hall. Um, right. in his book, What the Ancient Wisdom Expects of Its Disciples. It tells yes. you right there. In the right. Yeah. Um, and it's called A Study Concerning the Mystery Schools. So, uh, quote, In the days now long past, the gods walked with men, and the instructors from the invisible planes of nature were still laboring with the infant humanity of this planet. They chose from among the sons of men the wisest and the truest. These they labored with preparing them to carry on the work of the gods after uh-huh. the spiritual hierarchies themselves had withdrawn into the invisible worlds. With yes. these speci- especially ordained and illuminated sons, they left the keys of their great wisdom, which was the knowledge of good and evil. There you go. They ordained these anointed and appointed ones, priests or mediators right. between themselves, the gods, yes. and that great mass of humanity, which had not as yet developed the eyes which permitted them to gaze yes. into the face of truth and live. Well, yeah, so they're the face, telling you the right there the, that they worship right. these ancient uh, mystery school gods, but it also yes. tells you that this is a secret teaching that's being passed on rather than a sexual yes. sin. At yeah. least that's what they believe in the secret societies. Yeah. Well, it always involves sexual sin, uh, you know, because uh, why? Who are they trying to seduce in the modern world? It's white people, especially our women. Okay. So uh, I said earlier, I think before this uh, live section on EFR, that uh, the only way that Nahash could produce offspring was to have sex with Eve. Uh, that's why when Wyland accuses us of uh, saying that Adam had uh, homosexual sex with Nahash, they said, no, that, that's ridiculous. We never said any such thing. Because you don't believe that there were other people besides these three people in the garden. And our position is there were thousands of these other people. Uh, of uh, Certainly the uh, what I call the Cro-Magnon white, uh, because there's a difference between Cro-Magnon yeah. and, uh, you know, 
pre-Adamites because the Cro-Magnon are Caucasoid, but the archaeological record shows that they had larger craniums than we do today, but they're nevertheless Caucasoid. They, yeah. Okay. So they why? Actually, go ahead. Uh, interestingly, uh, go ahead. I'll, well, yeah, I was so, going to add briefly to that. Um, I've looked into a lot of the genetics around this topic. It turns out that um, Cro-Magnon man is the exact same race as we today, except that they had a much longer lifespan, right? which explains why certain bones continue to grow, kind of like noses and ears grow your whole life. They never for, stop growing. For Jews. Well, your brow ridge <laughs> on your forehead also right? continues to grow thicker. Right? So, right? you know, a, a very old man from a Cro-Magnon era who lived for 400 years would have a very thick skull compared to us yes, today. Yes. But he would have the same size yes. brain. Yes. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, uh, and plus the, uh, the pre-flood world ha- had a higher uh, density. The, the atmosphere was, I believe, at least twice as dense, uh, which uh, because the Earth had a cloud cover and the density of the air, because remember it says the Earth was watered with a mist. They didn't yet have rain, at least not in the area of the Garden of Eden. And the earth was watered by mist because it was more like a hothouse, very, very uh, humid and uh, very uh, full of all kinds of flora and fauna, including uh, the saber-toothed tiger, uh, mastodons. They found the the bones and actually intact mastodons and saber-toothed tigers in, in Siberia, flash frozen. Okay, and some of yes, these mastodons ha- had the uh, the lilies that they were eating still in their mouths, and the uh, the Russians who excavated these actually cut some of the meat off the mastodon, cooked it, and ate it. Okay, so why yeah, you could buy mammoth steaks for a while? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so why isn't the Smithsonian telling us about this? Right, it was a completely um, different world. Okay, I agree. We've had a lot of fun so far. I, I, I yeah. know that we're coming up on the hour. Do you mind if I take about three minutes and try to just power through, um, I guess, my yeah. theory? Yeah, go ahead. It, se- yeah. it seems as though it's, it's a third path because I don't, I don't seem to fall into either of the two sea liner camps that you're describing. Yeah, um, okay. Briefly, just the context, I want to mention uh, from Second Peter 2.4, quote, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Um, that particular set of angels goes back to Genesis 6, the watchers. Yes. But I, I use that one because um, it, this is another verse uh, that confirms they were angels. They were not just human. Right. And exactly. I, I know a lot of people practice the Sons of Seth uh, doctrine today. It's taught at all the modern Rockefeller-funded seminaries, and nobody wants to believe that the giants were real giants or that the angels were real angels. But that's what it says. And yeah. it's cross-confirmed. Um, you know, for, for example, contextually, the same word for angels, B'nai Elohim, is used in Jude 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left That's their own right. habitation, he That's hath right. reserved in lasting chains under darkness yes. unto the judgment Ab- of the great day. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. that, you know, all of that gets us up to where, you know, out of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 up to Genesis 6 now, uh, Genesis 6, 1 to 2, in fact, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair and took them wives of all they chose. This, yes. this is where I believe the seed of the serpent enters the picture, uh, right there in Genesis 6. And yeah, I think but- that there's uh, a, a fairly good case to make also from example, uh, the book of Enoch. In fact, 
it's kind of interesting, Genesis 6, 1 to 2, and Enoch 6, 1 to 2. So from Enoch, uh, it, it kind of confirms this. And it came to pass when the sons of men had increased, that in those days were, there were born to them fair and beautiful daughters. And the angels, the sons of heaven, saw them and desired them. And they said to one another, come, let us choose for ourselves wives from the children of men, and let us beget for ourselves children. And um, this is where, you know, their leader, Shemyaza, uh, basically bound them all to mutual sin and implication. Right? Yep. Because he that was afraid like back out. Free basins. That sounds like a free basin vow, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. And the book of Jubilees also, 5-1, uh, quote, that the angels of God saw them on a certain year of this Jubilee, that they were beautiful to look upon. Yep. And they took themselves wives of all whom they chose, and they bare unto them sons, and they were giants. Yes. And then, um, you know, basically just some of the stuff from my Keen Seed Line article that I hadn't touched on with you yet, just um, right. pushing through. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and let me know if you want to stop and interject or anything. That's fine. Yeah, no, no, keep so going, keep going. Yeah. I think that the rest of the, for example, and I know that, you know, whether it comes from Cain or whether it comes from Genesis 6, there's a lot of the Bible that talks about the giants later on. For example, um, all of the Canaanite tribes were ordered to be wiped out. God said, quote, leave nothing right. alive, end quote. Um, and that was uh, in the post-flood world from the grandson of Noah, Ham, or the, his son of Noah, Ham, through his grandson, Canaan. Right. And, you know, specifically, Canaan had tons and tons of giants in his lineage, making it a, a genetic issue around the lineage of Ham, but, but worse around the lineage of Canaan, who even Noah had cursed. Okay. So, you know, Ham was a yeah. sinful son, but uh, Canaan was the real problem child in the post-flood world because of his Nephilim giant genetics. Right. Anyway, all that's right. additional context. I, I have a few more yes. points that basically I want to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Because I'm looking next, up verses they, while you're talking. Go ahead. Okay. So we walk, we talked through about the, uh, the Genesis part. I think it was in one or two where Adam knew his wife. I already yes. went through that one. Um, we, we talked about how Cain was not a Titan or a giant. So that doesn't seem to fit with the, the rest of the, the later Nephilim. Um, the, the real, uh, we talked about the, how Adam didn't cover his sin, um, or he, he covered his, his loins. Yes. But how did that happen if it wasn't something sexual with the, right. uh, Eve? So we talked that, about that. I'm going through the list. Yeah, that certainly implies um, that it was sexual, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Yeah. And then also the, the fact that the original fallen, we've gone through most of these actually, the original fallen angel in the garden, which I think many would be, I think many call that Gadriel. I think some texts label it Samuel or Azazel, right. depending yes. on the source. Azazel, right. The original Azazel. fallen angel was not imprisoned, but allowed to roam about seeking whom yeah. he may devour. So that's that's a different uh, punishment for the same crime, so to speak, right. which seems outside of God's usual uh, pattern. I could be wrong there. I think I'm speculating, but I assume that the judgment would always be the same. Okay, uh, let me just comment on that really quickly because people have asked me, well, why did Yahweh say uh, that uh, whoever slayeth Cain will be punished sevenfold? And the reason is, it goes back, and this is an argument uh, that I've heard from people, and Lily had reminded me of this, that, well, there was no earthly witness to Cain slaying Abel. And the law says you have to have because we're talking about the law on earth, that murder obviously was uh, something that both of them knew they shouldn't do. 
and because there was no earthly witness to the crime and no earthly court could be convened, that Yahweh simply postponed Hmm. his punishment. That's one reason. The other reason is because because the 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 prophecy that there would be enmity between the bloodline of Cain and the bloodline of Seth would go on. All right, so that prophecy had to be fulfilled, and we yeah. haven't even talked about that yet. Okay, so uh, so, so okay. go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So if well, you have that, that brings up an interesting point. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Well, um, okay, so um, A, you're right about the law. That would have been a, a, a legalistic, but I mean, I think correct interpretation probably about why Cain was allowed to live. Yes. I was curious about that because, you know, generally God's attitude on Nephilim was to, to kill them. So right. if he were a Nephilim, yeah. then why would he have allowed him to survive? Yeah, well, um, they, but because I, they I also, were witnesses. Um, the, the, the Israelites were witnesses to all the yeah. things the Canaanites did. Back to you. Okay. Um Thank you. So a lot of the um, topics I had to go through, we've already discussed uh, two, I think two more I have left. One of them is one John three twelve, which okay. says uh, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Right. And wherefore he slew him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Yes. So this, this seems to imply, you know, he wasn't the seed of the serpent or extra or supernaturally evil. He was just standard old evil. Uh, and, you know, you don't have to be a, a demon spawn to kill your own. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the problem there is that uh, all of Cain's offspring, given in Genesis 4, you know, the, the various uh, wives he had, etc., they were all evil. They, they, they had implements of war. They uh, you know, stirred up trouble. They, uh, they did all kinds of evil things. Nothing that they ever did was recorded as being righteous. So that, I would say that actually favors our point of view because they are intrinsically, genetically evil. Which but, but he is our calls position. him okay. So yeah, yeah sorry, okay. there was a, a little internet delay. My fault. For yeah, interrupting. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so I agree that I agree about genetic evil. I think that there is a, a demonic seed line that is a, a blood yes. genetic evil. Yes, that is non-human. But with that said, um, you know, in 1 John 3.12, it specifically calls Cain Abel's brother. Now, right. a lot of people make the assumption that Cain and Abel were twins. Uh, if we look at Jubilees 4, it actually says that they're, they're not twins. That, uh, quote, uh, Jubilees 4.1, quote, and in the third week, in the second Jubilee, she gave birth to Cain. And in the fourth, she gave birth to Abel. And in the fifth, she gave birth to her daughter, Awan. So okay. if they're not uh, if they're if they're actually brothers, but they were not twins, then that would have to mean again that that Adam knew his wife. Well, you you have uh, such a thing as you have identical twins, and you have fraternal twins. Okay, so if they were separate gestations, then uh, you know, we still have the problem of where if if Adam and Eve had not known sin yet. And they were both, uh, you know, uh, having uh, sexual relations and had not yet known sin. Why were they punished for having the sexual relation? You know, they had to cover their loins with a loincloth. Let, let me go to another definition here. And this is uh, from verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. 
before they they knew that they were naked, they were naked and not ashamed in Genesis chapter 2. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Apron is Hebrew 2290, chagaur, a belt for the waist, apron, armor, girdle. The apron covered their private parts from the waist with a belt to the groin for or girdle, not their mouths. If they were ashamed from eating a piece of fruit, such as an apple, they would have to cover their mouths. Ted Weiland says it was only a mental sin. He says that they sinned only mentally. Well, then they should have gotten a dunce cap. They shouldn't have had the punishment. What was the punishment that Eve bore for this sin? Her conception was made painful. So why would eating an apple make her conception painful? Why would they have to cover their groin area if it was just eating a literal piece of fruit? And none of the non-seed liners ever address this question. They just tell us we're crazy for even presenting the question, <laughs> right? Okay. Hmm. So, sure. yeah. And well, Lord, I, you know, go ahead. I, I, it just it stands to reason to me that an, an immortal Adam and Eve may not need children. However, a mortal, sinful Adam and Eve fell into yeah. death would need to procreate in order to continue uh, Adam and Eve, basically, in order right. to continue their genetics, their family, their posterity, in order to bring about all the prophecy and stuff. Yes. So we, we know that in every animal, pretty much in every animal's species, birth right. is painful. So right. we know that the animals that were not punished still have to have pain in birth. I don't yeah. think that's because of Eve. I just simply think that that's a mortal issue yeah. more so than a punishment yeah. for her well, specific sexual crime. Okay. I think that was because she was made mortal. But, yeah, exactly. Because once she had the conception of Cain, then it was very painful. Whereas she had only conceived by Adam and nobody else, then it would not have been painful. And our position is that once the Holy Spirit was breathed into Adam and Eve partook of that by sharing his DNA, that's what the, that's all about. They had to. He had to have a helpmate that was like him. She had to have the same type of DNA to be a perfect companion, a, a complement. That's actually what that word means. Helpmate means complement. So they had to be the same genetic tree. So Eve had to partake of whatever was breathed into Adam, his DNA, and they would have begotten these potentially immortal. Offspring, the whole race would have been potentially immortal, and we would not have gone, gone through all this pain. Okay, now here, uh, here, let me quote this verse. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? Okay, had it been a mental crime, the question would have been, quote, What is this that thou hast thought? The word done in both Strong's and Jesenius has nothing to do with anything mental, but everything to do with, quote, to produce or create, unquote. In fact, Jesenius has included a definition with sexual connotations, as we read here. Peel, to work or to press immodestly the breasts of a woman. Peel, uh, oh, this is Latin, sorry. <laughs> a, 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 euth a euphemism for sexual intercourse. The woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Beguiled has sexual connotations, as I actually quoted from Second Corinthians 11.3. Exapatau, seduce holy. Oh, okay. So uh, let me back up a little bit. So 
So it says that the uh, the word for done is a euphemism for sexual intercourse. And the fact is that uh, a lot of these words that people assume are simply like tree and eating and etc. Virtually all of these are used in sexual connotations somewhere in the Bible. And sometimes more often than they are literally, because, for example, the tree, uh, the uh, kingdom of Assyria, is compared to a cedar tree. Now, we know Assyria was not a tree, a literal tree. It was a genome. It was a family tree. So the use of the word tree in Scripture as a family tree is just as frequent, if not more frequent, than the use of the word tree for wood plants, etc. Okay? So uh, the, the author of that video says, oh, the word tree can only mean literal, tr- no, it can't. The word fruit can only mean literal, no, it can't. It can mean human fruit. It can mean human trees. And they do, and you find that out by doing the word studies in great detail. Okay? So, but uh, I think you were about to make one other point before I interjected here. Are you there? <laughs> okay. Hold on, let me check my phone. Oh, I'm not using my phone anymore. Did we lose you? Let me check the chat room. Internet dropped. Oh, okay. Somebody tell him to call again. Because my my internet is still working. Ah, there it goes. Okay, we lost internet. (laughs) Yeah, my my internet. Right. That's the price you pay for living on a farm nowhere and having food. That's that's the right decision. (laughs) I'm going to be moving to a farm soon, also. Right. Okay. So, uh, did you get the part that I was saying about the word done? in the Gesenius definition, is a concrete action with sexual connotations. Did you hear me say that? Um, I, I lost you when you started going through the definitions. Yes. So, so let me just – that particular definition is very interesting. And, of course, yeah. uh, non-seedliners will never quote it. Again, the word done is the Hebrew word 6213 from the verse, what is it that thou hast done? The word done in both Strong's and Jesenius has nothing to do with anything mental, as uh, uh, Pastor Ted Wallen falsely maintains, but everything to do with to produce or create. In fact, Jesenius includes a definition with sexual connotations, peel, to work or to press immodestly the breasts of a woman. That's touching as far as I'm concerned. And as a euphemism for sexual intercourse. Okay, so again, a lot of and the, one of the points that the author of that video made, which is that what we advocate is very disgusting. But how could anybody like Pastor Eli James advocate something like that that Eve might have been physically, sexually seduced? Hey, read the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> read the Bible. It's <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Amen. It's everywhere. Including homosexuality, child sacrifice, eating children, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all in there. Yeah. 
So I'm sorry if it's disgusting it's a, it's to you. It's a hard history that we yeah. have, and it's a hidden history. It's actually disgusting to me, too. I wish it hadn't yeah. happened, well, um, <laughs> right? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, the, the world likes to uh, the, the world likes to sugarcoat things. I found in my work as a reporter and a journalist, I dive into the hardest <laughs> and darkest of areas like human trafficking, out of children, right? And people right. don't want to hear the truth. I think right. it's getting better. No, people no. are suffering, and it's affecting them, and it's reaching into their lives now. Yeah, people are getting better about seeing the darkness, but I yeah. think most people right. are just afraid to look into the abyss. Um, you know, yeah. briefly, I, I just I want to have like a thirty second closer, if you don't mind, and and you go can ahead. take it from there. Because yeah. I don't want to waste your time. I know we're over the hour. Yeah, no, um, we can okay, go two so, hours. So my, my 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 thoughts. Yeah. Go well, ahead. my thoughts in closing, just um, basically, you know, both theories have merit, and I absolutely agree that that these, uh, you know, for example, fruit, where these words are used and in the context they're used, they could absolutely, many times, not always, but many times, have a sexual uh, connotation or context. I think that it it leaves a lot of questions that that are hard to answer. Uh, some of the ones that we went yes. through, um, if you assume that it is a sexual context, I, I truly still believe that the Genesis six seed of the serpent, Nephilim seed line, or or I guess I don't really have a title for it, but you know uh, Genesis six Nephilim seed line theory uh, is the is the appropriate one, given the context and given those additional questions that pop up if we assume that everything is was sexual. Yes. But um, I think that this has been a fascinating conversation. I hope everybody yeah. found it to be of some value. And if you want to continue, I'm still free. I, I don't want you to, to go no. over your time, but we could even go into the other topics if you want, like uh, Young Earth or Flood. No, I, I normally do a, a, a one-hour show on Restoration Hour, but it, it is a two-hour time slot. So we could continue because we're only sc- scratching the surface of what happened in Genesis yeah. chapter 3, okay? And we have to, we haven't declared the enmity. And so the enmity between these two bloodlines is clearly established there, and, and it proceeds from there. Okay, so let's go back into Genesis <laughs> chapter 3, and which says, I have to get out of ch- chapter 4 into chapter 3, and it says, and the man said to the woman, who, who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And we've already established that the tree can be human offspring. Okay. And did eat a cow, which can be in a very general sense to partake of. Okay. And it has sexual connotations in other concordances besides Strong's. Strong's is by no means a complete concordance. And Yahweh Elohim said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? We just discussed that word done, which is very uh, uh, concrete in its meaning and can have sexual connotations. And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and Nasha, to delude or to seduce. Okay, it doesn't say delude or seduce. Now, it makes a distinction between those two words, to delude or seduce. Now, most people, when they use the word seduce or seduction, they're talking about a physical seduction, right? So it's not far-fetched for us to say that this word means seduction in in the sexual sense. And then the word that Paul used when he says Eve was beguiled, that word, exapatao, means to seduce wholly, to completely seduce. 
Now, and I aver that the only way you can completely seduce somebody is to by having the actual sex act. It's not just mental, it's physical as well. That's the only way you can have a complete seduction, right? If it's only mental, it's not complete, <laughs> okay? So, so these words, and again, we could uh, d- debate the, uh, the concordances, but the more complicated, the more thorough concordances really back us up in saying that this is sexual language, okay? And now here we go. This is Genesis 3, 14, and 15. These are the big verses where the conflict, which we're still in, you know, and I agree with you, and our pre-show discussion on the phone, uh, we said, we agreed that we're not really that far apart in terms of what the problem is. The problem is that we have people running around this planet who call themselves Jews, who are actually the bloodline of either Genesis 6, <laughs> right, or Genesis 3.15, okay, or both. I think that's what your notes said before the show. It's either that, this, or both, okay, or none of the above, I think was uh, your pre-show notes that you put up. And I, to me, it's both, I argue that it's both. And people have asked me, well, look, if it can happen in Genesis chapter 6, it can happen in Genesis chapter 3. We just aren't given the same amount of detail in Genesis chapter 3. But we do know that this Nachash critter is a very uh, intelligent being able to communicate with a woman and give her a really hard time uh, about what she has done and what he has made her do, okay? Now, that can't be done by a literal snake, and and the the fruit that we're talking about is not literal fruit like an apple, you know, because there's no apple in Genesis. It's just not there. We're talking about family trees, family fruit, etc. Okay, so here we go. Here is Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Because now he's speaking to the serpent. These two verses are being spoken to Nachash. And by the way, the word Nachash has lots of cognates in other languages. In, For example, in the uh, Hindu or the Sanskrit, Naga means serpents and naked. Also means to seduce, Naga. Okay, it's talking about the fallen ones when we're talking about Naga. The Anunnaki of, uh, what is it, uh, Sumeria. Okay, what does it call some of the tribes in in Canaan land? The Anakim, Anunnaki, Anakim, etc. You know, we're talking about either they were around the planet. So why were the uh, Sethites engaging in all this evil before the Noah's flood? Okay, so it's possible that the uh, Genesis 6 is only telling us about a second incursion. And that second incursion, uh, historically, or by tradition, is said to have happened on Mount, uh, oh, I forget the name of the mountain. It was in the tribe of Dan. The tribe of Dan inherited that territory. The uh, the mountain that the fallen angels fell onto, onto the earth at, okay? And uh, the, the tribe of Dan took over that territory from uh, the Canaanites, okay? Anyway, so there's uh, so that's why I say it's both. It could be true of both, not just one or the other. Okay, so let's continue. 
And above every, again, above every beast of the field, and beast here is from Sheah. In fact, Sheah, or Kai in Hebrew, is actually the uh, root for the name of Eve, meaning living. Sheah, beast. So there was some kind of living being that was in the field, and field is a an enclosed area, like a farm or a garden. Okay. Upon the here's the here's this here's the curse of the Nakash critter. Upon thy belly. Let's see what this is. External abdomen, belly as a source of the fetus. Shalt thou go. Another sexual connotation. And dust shalt thou eat uh, all the days of thy life. So I think we discussed earlier that if this were a literal snake, this would not be a curse at all. He would simply continue as he was. Okay. So I see this as a demotion. It's a figurative demotion. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, so who's dust? Well, historically, the Jews, and of course we know that the Kenites were cursed that they would have to be nomads and vagabonds in the earth. Okay, they would not have a home. And that fits the Jews perfectly <laughs> because the Jews admit they never had, they've been uh, nomads and vagabonds their whole existence until they finally established that fake state of Israel. Okay? And they still haven't moved there. New York City still has more Jews than, uh, than that country, Judea. Okay? Now here's, here's the main verse. And I will put enmity, he's still speaking to Nakash, Nakash which means naked, and Anunnaki, fallen ones in other languages and contexts, okay? And I will put enmity, that is hatred, hostility, between thee, Nachash, and the woman, Eve. Okay? So far, so good. And between thy seed, Zerah, offspring, children, okay? And her seed, same word, Zera, offspring, carnally, child, fruit, etc. We've already determined the word fruit can mean literal fruit of the womb. And it shall bruise thy head. And the offspring of Eve will bruise your head, Mr. Nakash. Okay. Now, this is offspring in the sense of all of Eve's offspring because this enmity has occurred historically between the, the Canaanites or the Kenites and the Sethites or Adamites. Throughout history, this has occurred. And this is the starting point where this enmity yeah. began. Okay? And thou, uh, Nachash, shalt bruise his heel. Okay. So the heel of us, the Adamites, was, has been constantly being bruised by the Jews. How? They have been following us around wherever we go, nipping at our heels. And whenever we try to get rid of them, they come back and bite us at yeah. our heels again, right? To me, of course, I'm, I'm giving a figurative interpretation yeah. of these verses, but it totally makes sense to me, your, your comment. Okay, so 
um, well, around the, the Genesis 315 part yeah. specifically, um, that prophecy, there's a lot of context there uh, about she would, uh, the seed of the serpent would bruise the seed of the woman's heel and the seed of the woman would crush yeah. the seed of the serpent's head. Right. Um, you know, interestingly enough, Yeshua, which you could definitely call the seed of the woman, sure. uh, later on had his uh, heel um, bruised. Bruised. Out of the In cross. fact, the way that the Romans, the, the way the Romans would have actually done a crucifixion, uh, probably not even on a cross, but a stake, right. would have been to uh, shove the nail, drive the nail through the wrists and the heel, right. not the way that people typically portray it through the hands and the feet. Right. Um, and that fulfilled the prophecy in part of Genesis 3.15, that the, part, the seed yes. of the woman's heel has been bruised. Now, you could absolutely take it as, as the races themselves, and there has yes. been a war, absolutely, right. of enmity between those two. Okay. They have bruised our heels many times. Amen. Amen. Thousands of times, and they're still doing it. It's even worse today than ever. Yeah. Okay. But here, let me go. Yeah, I, and, and I also want to go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to go to Matthew chapter 23. Well, I, but go ahead and finish your thought on these two okay. verses. Because yeah, uh, that, that's great Just, that you yeah, see put, it can work on, both ways. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and usually, you know, double meanings, triple meanings, that happens all the time. It's that's right. So there's no it sure does. It, has it sure does. Yeah, right. But um, you were talking there about, uh, I think it was Genesis 12. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave uh, me of the tree and I did eat. Yes. Now, this this is another one that gives me pause, because if we're going with the Cain sea lion theory, you know, there there are certain contradictions that pop up. And this is one like how could she have given of the tree to him unless it was an STD or something? Well, I unless mean, it was another race, it, it doesn't seem to make sense. Unless it was another race is was what we're saying it was. It was because our position is that the, there were other races and certainly a lot of uh, Cro-Magnon pre-Adamites running around in Genesis 1. And Adam and Eve were simply two individuals chosen from that race. So what did Adam you, give to partake of? You know, what did she give him? See, yeah, exactly. Is, what What is yeah. it that she could have given him? Was it a, another woman? Another woman. Absolutely. See, uh, and uh, this solves okay. the contradiction in Genesis <laughs> 4 where Eve, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Cain was ca- expelled from the garden with a wife or, or he found a wife in, now listen. In a, where did she who was she where did she come from i uh <laughs> i you know I, I i think that was one of his sisters but like i say this jokingly <laughs> right but at the same time like with a hint like a hint of seriousness um yes good luck convincing all of the yeah. women of that theory you know yeah because oh. i think most women are going to look at that and say heck no i would not share my man <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what Eve did. She didn't know any better. She just didn't know any better. Okay, okay? all right. So, and, uh, and as far as as far as you're, you're suggesting that the daughters of Cain were like, um, you know, well, I guess that I would suggest that it's kind of a moot issue, ultimately, it, whether it was Genesis six or whether it was from Cain, because I think the Cain seed line and the sinful daughters of Cain, so to speak who were probably half-naked and, and a little bit more promiscuous and, right. and party-oriented a little than bit. Uh, the sons of Seth and daughters <laughs> right. of Seth. Right. Probably, no. you know, I think that the fallen angels would have aimed for them first, you know? I think the women oh, well, bearing the most flesh oh, would have okay. gotten well, that, that's a, first. That's an interesting scripture says they were attracted to hair and flesh. Right, yeah. Well, that's an interesting point, but it says yeah. that they, the, they were Adamite women, 
and they were fair. The word fair means white, to have fair skin. You look it up in any dictionary, the first entry for the word fair is white skin, fair skin, okay? Now, modern dictionaries may have removed that definition, but I've got a a dictionary that goes back to like the turn of the previous century, and that's the first entry in my dictionary, okay? Have light-colored skin is what the first definition is there. And now, obviously, white women... Shall I go out on a limb and say that white women are the most attractive women on the face of the earth? Would I be going out on a limb to say that? You're, you're statistically, yes, statistically that's correct. I mean, they've yeah. done polls around um, yeah. dating sites and dating apps, and it, it turns yeah. out that Asian women and white women rank the highest. Right. Okay. And so the watchers, as they're also called in the Book of Enoch, looked at these gorgeous white women <laughs> and said, Man, I got to have some of that, right? And that's why they left their first estate. Yeah, it was lust, absolute lust. Now, whether or not they – go ahead. And this is why – I was going to say this is actually why for thousands of years and in some cultures still today, women would cover their hair with a veil. Yes. Or perhaps, uh, for for example, like the nuns in Catholicism or the women in Islam – because the, women, the, the angels would rape all of the women and they were attracted to long flowing hair. Right. So right. In, early, in early Christianity, it was actually considered a, 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 I guess a gift or a courtesy to allow women, not force them, but to allow them to cover their hair in church because many um, you know, governments yeah. would not allow women to uncover their hair in public. But right. in the church, in, in, the, in the house inside of God, the pastors or the yeah. preachers would allow women to cover their hair. Yeah, that was what yeah. was uh, sort of the biblical cultural thing to do right. because of those angels, and that's that's the kind of thing like Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> it's a fear right. that lasts through your genetics. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. So, and of course, as you just said, other races find white women more attractive than even women of their own race. Okay, in the Oriental world, that's considered taboo. Still, it's not con- considered ta- taboo just about anywhere else. Okay. The Orientals have still maintained that taboo. No, it's clergy plan. It's what? Yeah. It's the clergy plan. We could we could Co- go oh, yeah, absolutely. that rabbit hole. Absolutely. No doubt about um, it. Okay. I, I, I've got a funny question for you, just kind of okay. a bonus question. What What's your <laughs> thoughts on the black Hebrew Israelite movement? Oh, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a total joke. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How, how do they... I, none uh, of their arguments make sense. No, they don't. They don't. No, first of all, when did they lose the knowledge of Hebrew? Did they ever yeah. have it? <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Plus, the word Ethiopia, yeah. the word Ethiopia does not mean black. The word Ethiopia means sunburnt faces. Have you ever seen black people going to a drugstore to buy sunscreen? No, no, I haven't. No, no. Now, I, I, I was going to ask, um, yeah. th- th- this is something that I've, I've been trying to study the roots of the different races. I haven't figured right. out where Asians come from. I, I figured out Arabs yeah. come from Ishmael through Abraham. That's right. Um, and, which actually explains why there's so many of them. They inherited the blessings of Abraham. That's right. But... Um, I haven't quite figured out some of them. And now I think, I, I, I speculate, I theorize that blacks came originally through Cush, 
which uh, oh. his name in Hebrew means black, black or, or black terror. Okay. Uh, this right. is one of the grandsons of Noah through Ham. Yeah, Remember it's, Ham? It's yeah. one of Canaan's brothers. Canaan was well, the one with all the giants. Well, Cush is the one that begat Nimrod, who who built the Tower of Babel and tried to kill God and, and united the world and was a violent right. hunter. Yeah. So, um, right. you know, I don't know yeah. if that's the case, but it seems like Cush yeah. is the first biblically named yeah. black man. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say he was black. See, our perspective is this, and uh, Bertrand Camperet, by the way, I, I failed to mention Bertrand Camperet and Dr. Wesley Swift are the biggest promoters of the Keynesianic seed line theory doctrine. And so I would encourage everybody to just look up their sermons, Dr. Wesley Swift and Bertrand Compare. Of the two, Compare yeah. is more scholarly than Dr. Swift. Dr. Swift was just uh, an eloquent uh, speaker. He uh, he was like uh, Billy Sunday. He, he could he could rouse a crowd uh, and uh, you know just get move them to tears with his eloquent speech. But Bertrand Compare takes wow. the scriptures apart like a lawyer because he was a lawyer. Okay, he was actually the uh, lawyer for the city of San Diego for most of his life. But he he and Swift elaborated the two seed line doctrine. Okay, so here let me go mm-hmm. into Matthew chapter yeah. twenty three, where uh, let's let's pick it up. And unless you had a comment right there, before I go into Matthew, um, no, I I think we've gone over most oh. of my rebuttals and and okay. questions in terms of the seed line right. cane stuff. We can keep going around right. whatever you want to discuss, or yeah. we, uh, right. you you can fill in your thoughts and finish yeah. whatever you want to do. Okay. All right. I didn't finish my thought on uh, Cush. So the, the fact is that Cush was not black. Cush was not black. He may have married outside of his race to produce Nimrod. That I would concede. And the reason being is this, that all of the statuary, coinage, inscriptions, uh, uh, drawings, uh, what do you call it, bas-relief drawings on hillsides and on uh, plaques, etc. They show nothing but white people. There are no black people in any of those images. You have them in, in Egypt where they're shown as slaves, but not as rulers until very, very late. Okay, Because all of the descendants of Abraham through uh, Hagar, Sarah, and Keturah were all white people. Okay, you can look up. The, in mm-hmm. fact, most of those people are still white. And the only reason they're not white today is because of interbreeding with other races. But if you look up everything yeah. in the Middle East, in those days, Mesopotamia, they were all white. Every every last one of them. They were white people. Now, also... You know, in, I, I agree. I, I, I'm of the position that all original mankind were white. Um, pure Adamites, so to yeah, speak, yeah. or well, pure blood humans. Okay, and that, and that the races came about through either curses or blessings or mixtures. Yeah. Okay, yes. Well, that gets to, to my other point. Uh, our position is, and this was expressed by Bertrand Compare, namely that Yahweh is the author of the scripture through his prophets, but he also created the universe. He also created the heavens and the earth. Okay, and we, we argue that the other races were created in Genesis chapter 1, and the... Uh, Archaeology, geology, anthropology tell us, and, and every last uh, uh, evolutionist and academic who's an atheist or an agnostic will tell you that the blacks were here long before white people were. Okay? 
And if you go back with archaeology, you'll find you'll, you'll have black skulls in Africa going back thousands and thousands of years. You'll have oriental skulls in China going back thousands and thousands of years. And in, in the Middle East, it's white, it's white skulls and skeletons. Okay, so our position is they already existed in Genesis chapter one. It's just not mentioned as other races because, as we discussed previously, they're not relevant to the story of the Bible. There's only two bloodlines that are relevant to the Bible. It's ours and Cain's, okay, or the Nephilim's. And either way, when I say Cain, I'm assuming he's the son of a Nephilim, but he wasn't a giant, okay? So that, that's the only, I think that's really the only difference between your position and mine and, and maybe the chronology going back, okay? So since archaeology yeah, we, we tells basically us, agree. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, uh, yeah. well, I was going to say, we, we agree on Genesis 6 and on, I think, yes. in terms of uh, the Nephilim became the Correct. Jews. Correct. And, and the giants. And, and, you know, we also had the sort of the, the intermediary between giant and Jew was the elongated skull priests. They weren't all giants. <laughs> right. They had the, the, they had the cone head skull yeah. like the giants yeah. had. You yeah. can see in the uh, various yeah. hieroglyphs. Yeah. And they right. kept getting smaller as they mated with humanity. Yeah, and it's then they, a, you know, they were found around all of the uh, yeah. baby altar sacrifice sites right. and megalithic structures of the ancient world, generally in high-ranking positions like right. priests or kings. Well, among the blacks, we have the pygmies, we have the Hottentots, we have the the, the Zulu and the Maasai, which are the tallest yeah. ones. Yeah. I mean, like they're six, seven feet tall, all I, of them, right? So. In other words, and you alluded to it earlier that they were probably doing hybrid experimentation. Okay. There were also the, um, you know, in the pre-flood world, at least, there was animal-human mixtures as well. Yes. Um, I also want to mention just toward toward my uh, argument that that Kush may have been the first black guy. When you look at the earliest records and and mythologies and uh, maps and, and everything around Africa, and um, kind of the Middle East out toward Africa, then you see the word Kush literally all over the place um, right. from the ancient, yes. um, from the ancient sort of superstitions to the geography, right. like the Hindu Kush mountains. For right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Kush was, he was one of those fathers of many tribes. And, uh, right. you know, I, I believe that Kush is where we get modern Africans and most of Africa, in fact. Okay. Well, here, the word Kush, as you just pointed out, it is applied to India. The Indian Kush, it's applied to Arabia, the Arabian Kush, and it's applied to Africa as well. The, uh, the African Kush is, in my opinion, where they were white people too. It's just that Kush got his try, his people got around, but they were not anything but white. Now, maybe at some point in one, in one locality or another, they intermixed with other races. But here's something from the book of Jasher. When Moses... Uh, before he went back uh, to to uh, the Middle East, the uh, Arabian Kush, before he went back to the Arabian Kush, he went to the African Kush. He was sent there by Pharaoh. This is in the book of Jasher, because whoever was in charge of Ethiopia at the time, and Ethiopia and Kush are also interchangeable. And remember, the word Ethiopia means sunburnt faces, okay? He found that the queen, oh, I can't remember her name, Anyway, uh, it turned out that she she was of another race. 
not necessarily her people, but the king of the Ethiopians had married a woman, a Canaanite woman. It specifically tells us that the queen was a Canaanite woman. And the story there tells us that Moses, realizing this, refused to consummate the marriage. After a while, this woman got really upset with Moses. Hey, you've been my king, my husband now for 30 years. Don't you think it's about time you consummated the marriage? And he tells her, I can't because it's against my law. So she connived to have him taken back to uh, to Egypt and he was really happy to go, <laughs> right? Same thing with Joseph. Joseph refused to lie with Potiphar's wife, if I remember his name correctly, because he can't have sex with another man's wife, right? So our forebears obeyed Yahweh's laws, marriage laws and you know intermarriage laws as well. So my, my view and the view of most sea liners is that those, all the races already existed. And if you look at the history of Africa, Africa only begot black people for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The only time you found non-pure black people was when the white man moved down there and started intermarrying with them. Same with China. You find nothing but Oriental people in the area of China until the white man started exploring and interbreeding with them, right? Same with American Indians, okay? Until the white man arrived and started interbreeding with them. So these are pure races, okay? And that's how that's our position on these matters. Now, getting back, let's see. We have, well, we're, we still have about uh, 20, 25 minutes left. So let's go into uh, Matthew. Can I go interject? Ahead. Sure. Just briefly. Yeah. Um, I, I have a very strong um, argument and suspicion that, uh, you know, the, the story of Columbus discovering America is complete nonsense. Many people discovered America. Oh, beforehand. yeah, that's right. How, however, oh, yeah. uh, the Egyptians and Phoenicians and Greeks were also known for having come over to America. And it looks like the modern Native Americans, the red-skinned Native Americans, were primarily of Egyptian stock. Uh, long yes. back. And yes. it also seems like there were white Hebrew-speaking uh, Native Americans yes, there were. that were already in North America that have been lumped in with the Redskins as well. And there's, you know, there's evidence to uh, completely throw the entire timeline uh, out of whack in terms of the official story of history. Yes. But you know, I, I wanted to mention briefly. It seems like uh, just just to, to clarify and make sure that we and everybody understand our positions here. You believe that the the uh, tribe that became the modern blacks and populated most of Africa for a long time, almost exclusively yes. were from the men, the pre-Adamites, the pre-Adamite yeah. group. Correct. Right. And, okay. And, and, and I think, and, I, I believe that it, it came about as a curse through the line of Noah's uh, grandson, Canaan. Okay. Well, that's actually a Jewish idea. The Jews and the rabbis of Judaism actually teach that Ham himself was black or the curse was uh, upon Ham, and he was turned black. That's what the rabbis teach, okay? They forget that it, it, Ham wasn't be, cursed. Canaan was the one who was cursed, okay? <laughs> right? Canaan was cursed, yes. Yes, it wasn't Ham who was cursed. Yeah, Canaan was the specific one. Yes. But Ham, Ham may have earned his own curses in, in certain sense, but what what seems to have been the case, at least, you okay. know, Ham didn't seem to have Nephilim children. Now, I, I don't know no, if he they did, were he black didn't. or not, he didn't. but it looks like... It looks as though that Ham's sin, when he saw his father's nakedness, uh, involved stealing the garments of Adam and Eve that were passed down to Noah. 
okay, I believe that's the case. And I yeah, think that the, basically the, became the Greek legends of the Golden Fleece later. But I believe that that incurred a punishment because we, we see later uh, context that, that seems to show Nimrod becoming a Giborim, but he started out yeah. as a man. So this is uh, right. Noah's, uh, through, through Ham and then through uh, right. not Canaan, yeah. but through Cush, his brother. Then you get Nimrod, who was kind of the right. spoiled baby of the family, who, right. who put on the garments of Adam and Eve and became a Giborim. Yeah. He's got his own curses going on. Right, yeah, he became a mighty one in the earth, which is the sa- same language we talked about the uh, the the uh, you know the what the lords of of old, you know, the mighty men of old, right? I think I think Cush may have had, and remember, Nimrod uh, married uh, Semiramis, and uh, and then uh, mm-hmm. she she had uh, sex with their offspring. Who was uh, I forget the name yeah. of their offspring? Okay, so there was a lot of incest going Bruce. on. Okay, now Cain. I'm, I'm sorry, Canaan. Uh, when Ham went uh, to see, it says you know, his father's nakedness, and Shem and Japheth, they turned their heads away from the, the naked body of Noah, and never saw it. But there's a verse, I believe it's Leviticus. 1913, yeah, Swamp Fox says in the chat, uncovering your father's nakedness means sleeping with your father's wife. Let me see if I can find the verse. I'm pretty sure it's Leviticus 1913. It's been a while since I've I've heard that theory, yeah. Right, so let me read it for you. I'm pretty sure if somebody else knows better, let me know. Here we go, Leviticus 19. 13, okay, it's got to be in there. Uh, Anyway, the nakedness of the father, the verse says, the nakedness of the father is the nakedness of the wife. It equates to two. That's the verse that that we use to argue that Canaan was the offspring of incest, and that's why Canaan was cursed, okay? Okay. Now, he may have taken the garments, you know, because there's a legend that even Esau recovered the garment that Nimrod had, which was the garment that Adam wore. Okay? So that's also mm-hmm. a Jasher. That's Correct. also a Jasher. Okay? So that may yeah, come into that, play, too. Yeah, and that's where I believe it came through Ham. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is quite possible. Okay? But uh, that verse, uh, somebody look up the, the, the expression nakedness of the father. And I could do that really quickly. But let me go through this. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, no contest uh, there. Either. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, yeah, I know I, it's one, ter- one possible interpretation. I have right, heard that before. Yeah. And I, I have also heard that uh, in certain cultures, it was commonplace yeah. if the father died for the son to sort of move into the house and take over everything, including right. the women, yeah. in order to sort of claim the. The, the land. But I don't know the, if I buy that in this but case. Not but not as mother. I'm not aware of any culture except Canaanite culture <laughs> where if the yeah. father dies, the son yeah. should uh, have sex with his mother, right? Uh, I don't see that in I any just, other culture. I, I find it difficult. I find it difficult to believe that Noah's wife would have gone for it. They were both drunk. Okay. The scriptures tell us they were both drunk and, and possibly Ham as well, <laughs> right? Okay. You know what happens when men and women drink too much, right? <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 23. Well, oh, you know, let me read this because we have uh, maybe 15 minutes left. 
Matthew chapter 23. Yeah. This is where Yahshua condemns the entire bloodline of the Pharisees. Okay. And let me start with 2330 because he's addressing the Pharisees. Uh, 2331. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? He's telling them they can't. They can't escape the damnation of hell. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you the prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city that upon you, he's talking to the Pharisees here, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias and Barachias, who we mentioned earlier, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. He's talking about the bloodline of Cain. Because that's who these people are. Now, you might say it's the bloodline well, of the I, Nephilim. Okay? Yeah. All right? Yeah. But he's, I think it's, it's proof absolutely that he's, he's going after the seed of the serpent. Right. As these are crimes committed before these people were born. Right. But he, he clearly mentions Abel. Their bloodline murdered Abel. That's true. Okay? So, okay. Well, there are... There's a, I would say there's other interpretations to that because there's other yeah, passages yeah, that yeah. Could perhaps contradict that. But right. but, but I think um, you, I, I'll hold my okay. thought on it. Yeah, okay. But I think you see that our position here is con- consistent from one verse to the next that we're talking about bloodlines. You also, you also are talking about bloodlines. Yes. But we can take these bloodlines. Yeah, I use the same verse. Right, okay. Yeah. But now, so Matthew so, chapter, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say when, when I'm proving that, or when I'm teaching or, or trying to share the evidence um, scripturally and, and otherwise, uh, I use the same kind of uh, yeah. verses that you're using when it comes to the Pharisees. And Well, that's good. You're far ahead. You're far ahead um, of all the I just the I think churches. that it came from the, the Genesis 6 event. So yeah. those, they're, they're going okay. back to that. All right. So uh, let, me, uh, let me just uh, do Matthew chapter 13. There's a question in our chat room about... What do you think happened to Eve in the garden? Well, you know, because they had to wear loincloths. They had to, uh, you know, the, uh, and we believe that not all the races have cha- a pain in child. I don't think other animals necessarily have a pain in childbirth. But uh, that they had to wear loincloths, and that's not a fitting punishment if it was merely a metal, mental sin or merely a, a vocal sin, or mere, merely an eating sin. You know, the light costs cover their groin area, right? And which to me represents the, the, the cloth that the Freemasons wear, okay? That the Freemasons wear. And if you look at their symbol, which they say a square and compass, all right? So I don't want to get gross here, but the letter yeah, G... In that symbol, in that symbol, G represents the word generation in the sexual sense, and it's underneath the, the triangle inside the triangle, which represents a woman's spread legs. Okay, Freemasonry is all Woman. about okay, yeah. yeah, okay. So here, and then so keep that thought in mind while I go through Matthew chapter thirteen. 
another parable he put forth unto them. See, it is disgusting. <laughs> that guy was right. It is disgusting. And because it's so terribly disgusting, we're suffering the anguish of it all. Anyway, another parable he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, men being Adamites, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And tares, let's see, so, let's see, so is spiro, very close to the he, uh, Greek word for offspring, which is sperma. Tares is zeanian, which is darnel, which uh, symbolizes the Jews for sure. So darnel among the wheat and went his way. So this reminds me of the Nachash in the garden sowed his seed among the wheat and went his way. It works for your analysis as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when... When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. He's talking about the hybrid Jews who always seem to seek us out, uh, nipping at our heels throughout history, taking over our nations and driving us crazy, right? Because what they are really is a parasitic infection. Verse 27 Mm-hmm. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence did hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather up the tares, ye go up, uh, and, oh, sorry, you root up also the wheat with them. Okay, so he's telling that you have to let both plants mature until the judgment day. Then you will easily be able to tell the difference between the two. Isn't it true? Dunstan, isn't it true that the people of the world are waking up to who the Jews really are? Oh, yeah. The the noticing is what many people have come to call it. Yes. And it is definitely happening. It's definitely happening. That's what verse 1329 is telling us. And finally, verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares, bind them in the bundles and to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So the tares are gathered first. They're cast into the lake of fire where they will never return from. But the wheat, namely us, will survive, and the barn is the kingdom. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about the tares and the wheat, you've, you've seen wheat fields, how they have nice uh, dishwater blonde heads, right? The wheat, sometimes very blonde, very, you know, nice blonde heads. And when the wind blows, the wheat bows to the wind, right? But the tares have very mm-hmm. stiff black heads, rigid. Kind of like a rabbi with his black fedora. And they do not bend with the wind. They are very rigid. So this parable of the wheat and tares has multi-layered significance because he's comparing Darnell, which is this black-headed weed, to the wheat, which we are us, to each other. 
okay? This parable is way deeper than the Judeo-Christian pastors ever give it credit for. So, so this, you know, so, yeah. so we're saying, okay, but since it's, it goes all the way back to Cain, and because Cain's bloodline through the Kenites survived the flood and settled in Canaan land, that's another reason why we say it goes back to Cain. But uh, the question in the chat room was, okay, so how do you explain the things that I have uh, brought up about Genesis 3.15? And uh, can these I've, be ex- – yeah, so go ahead. You know, so how do you see all that? Okay. Oh. Um, I, you just cut out a little bit. Can you please yeah. re- reframe that question? Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, we've given you our perspective on Genesis 3, 14, and 15, and, you know, that it, that with all the sexual connotations. And so the question uh, that Brother Aber is asking, I'm trying to rephrase it, is uh, how do you ignore all the sexual connotations of the Hebrew language, and how do you uh, ignore the fact that the, uh, you know, the, uh, there was an offspring named Cain who was very evil, okay, and I know you, you stated mm-hmm. earlier, well, he was just a bad seed, but still the child of Eve and Adam. I, I know that's your position. So maybe you could restate that mm-hmm. and, and see if Brother Abair, yeah. you know, understands you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, let, let me, um, I've got three three points saved okay. up here. One, I'll, I'll answer the question from him last, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, okay. Um, one of those is that uh, Jer- Jeremiah ch- chapter 24 actually has a lot of context about the good and the bad figs of Judah. Um, the good figs being removed, and many of them actually merged with the ten tribed house of Israel as they journeyed across Europe. We're, we're, I think we're talking pre and post Babylon, um, like right. when they we were captured by Babylon and then right. let back out. So when that happened, a lot of the the, uh, the so called Jews uh, mixed in with the Hebrews and 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 actually spread out. Um, and although they weren't as enslaved and punished in Babylon as the Hebrews were, they were actually fine in Babylon, uh, but they still came out. And just like it happened in Exodus, so it's, a, it's some context to mention there that um, the, the bad figs uh, and the good figs are also mentioned in another part of the Bible there, Jeremiah chapter 24. Um, now, I am absolutely in agreement with you that the figs parable uh, is one in, re- in relation to a genetic tree, a good human species and an evil human or human-like right. species exactly. of man. Yes. Thank you. And I also want to, um, I also want to mention that the, uh, you know, the Pharisees and stuff, I think that's a point in my favor because the Canaanite political parties were basically the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and the Essenes and the Assassins and the Herodians and the scribes and stuff. A lot of the same groups that were causing Yeshua or Jesus problems right. um, okay. and trying to get him killed or set him up or catch him in a legal tra- uh, trap right. or, or get him in trouble with Rome, the government, with tax questions and stuff. Okay. Always trying to set him up. Right. So, have, um, you know, the, that is that. another connection through yeah. Canaan. Which yeah. I think is, a, is a, it rather than the Kenites, I think that's a point. Uh, in the favor of the Canaanites being the the primary tribe, um, yeah. and, and we're talking, we're, we're talking. Um, well, uh, either way, they're the in, Canaanites in the bloodline. Were, were, yeah, they're, they're in our bloodline yeah. and your bloodline. Okay, yeah. Sorry, but uh, just to quickly so, comment, so the, you know, the, go ahead. Yeah, because we only have about ten minutes. No, not even well, ten, five these minutes. These political left. parties were, these political parties had connections through the the same bloodlines that I've talked about. Post right. uh, flood through Ham and Canaan, specifically right. Canaan. These, these basically the, the groups that Canaan begot when they had 
lost their giant looks way later, yeah. but they still had the seed of the serpent yeah. mixed in with the Hebrews, became the, the ruling Pharisees and Sadducees and right. scribes, and then began to pervert doctrine and stuff. And right. I think I think you'd agree with me on all that. You're just well, pointing it toward Cain. Uh, actually, but I think that the Canaanite connection uh, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when the Judahites returned from the Babylonian captivity, Ezra and Nehemiah cleaned house of all those mixed breeds and said, either you dump your mixed breed wives and children or you're kicked out of the congregation. And they refused to do anything with the non-Israelite, non-Judahite people of the land when they returned from Babylon. Okay, so they they were intent yeah. on keeping the race pure. That's why they restate the genealogies, and uh, so okay, right. you, you can't yeah. race mix. So, so that was put an end to until until John Hyrcanus, after the Maccabean period, uh, had a war with the Edomites, Idumea, and uh, he gave them an ultimatum. He defeated them militarily and gave them an ultimatum: either you allow us to circumcise your genitals, or you die. First of all, that was an un, uh, illegal offer that he made to them because we're not supposed to make covenants with non-Israelites, okay? And then he invited mm-hmm. the decayed satanic seed line into Judea when he did that, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, the Essenes, according to Josephus, I, I agree with you about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but the Essenes, according to Josephus, were the only pure-blooded Judahite priesthood in Jerusalem, and they left Jerusalem because they were sick and tired of the corruption, and that's when they went and founded Qumran. So Josephus tells us that the Essenes were not part of any coalition with the Canaanites. They were they separated themselves from Jerusalem precisely because of all the corruption that was going on there. Okay, and they preserved the Hebrew scriptures, yeah. and, you know, and they didn't distort them as far as we could tell. Okay. So anyway, that's my perspective on, on those three groups. But nevertheless, we got enough problems among our own people <laughs> who aren't race mixed, still violating Yahweh's yeah. laws, making trouble for us. All we have to do is obey Yahweh's laws, and Yahweh will protect us. Okay? That, Deuteronomy chapter right. 28. You obey my laws, you will flourish, you will prosper, you will become rich. If you don't obey my laws, then the enemy who is within you will lend to you and you will not lend to him. Who could that be? Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> right. The lenders. <laughs> yes. Right. And we all um, know what okay, species so you, they are. Yeah. Okay. So I'll let you wrap up. So we have less than that, three yeah. minutes. Go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to answer that gentleman's question. Yeah. Um, so basically Genesis 315 and the context that came before it, we, we, we rehash, I mean, we hashed out most of the points that I had. But, yeah. you know, specifically, you know, his question was around the sexual connotation. Right. So I, I completely am okay with the sexual connotation being one of the potentials. I don't think that we have to default to the sexual, um, the physical sexual seduction uh, definition by yes. default because there are other options. So there yeah. are options where seduction or beguilement does not necessarily mean physical. Right. Uh, it okay. could be a mental seduction. It, I, I believe yeah. that the fruit wasn't a physical fruit like you, but I also believe that it was not uh, a sexual act, a sexual union. There's reasons for that. Like when Eve gives it to Adam and when um, Adam is then tricked by Eve into taking it. And then also <laughs> when, or well, I guess not tricked, but, right. but he took, yeah. he partook of it after she, she gave yeah. it to him. Well, and then yeah. in, in the case of, um, 
in the case of the, the sexual connotation, again, you've got all of those genetic uh, markers as well. Cain wasn't a titan. You've got the part where um, uh, in Genesis where it says, and Adam knew his wife, which yeah. means that Adam uh, impregnated his wife and she conceived yes. and bare Cain and, I, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So, yeah. so I'm looking at the, co- the, the, co- the full context of these other verses, which seem to contradict a seduction yeah. or physical uh, yeah. uh, connection in the garden. And, and these are just a few of them. Uh, and I also yeah. am looking at the Genesis 6 uh, option as a different parallel way right. of filling in all of these questions. So, so right. if you're looking at okay. it from a physical seduction, right. there are questions like, why wasn't he a titan? How could she have given this to Adam? Why would Adam have had to, to cover his loins if it was Eve that was seduced? Is it yes. an STD? Is it a baby? Yeah. And, yeah. and then there's also the parts about how Cain and Abel who were not actual twins. They weren't born at the same time. Cain was the elder. Um, they were labeled as brothers, which would mean that right. it had to have they're been Adam's. Um, we, we, went, we went through that other. They, they, came from the, they came from the same womb. That's the only way they could be brothers. Well, they did come from the same womb, but it also said that um, uh, okay. uh, basically that Cain was Abel's brother. And I think you're, you're half I brothers. guess you could say half brother. I mean, half, half brothers. brothers. Yeah, considered you brother. yeah, that's what we would say. Okay. okay. So uh, the other possibility is there was an orgy going on, right? <laughs> okay. Well, so, I, but- I, I don't actually, I don't buy that there were uh, others in the garden at that time either. Yeah. Um, I think that it was just Adam and yeah. Eve in the garden. Now, now you're saying there might've been other pre-Adamites outside of the garden and you, and you're saying that they could have been invited in as, as, um, Right. As guest work or, or, or labor. Right. Yes. But um, I think that that was basically yeah. I, I think that you have to you have to read between the lines and you have to speculate in order to get to a certain point with Cain. Right. And I think that if you take the Genesis right. six option, it, it gets rid of all of these contradictions and it gets right. rid of all of these questions. Yeah. And I have I, I, it makes all of those things smooth out and make sense with the rest right. of scripture. Yeah. So well, you've got yeah. really only two options that it could be. It has to be Cain or it has to be Genesis 6. Nothing else makes sense. Well, I, I, um, And I, I just think know. that with the full context, it's, yeah. it's a stronger argument. Okay. Well, like I said, uh, I, I, t- I say it's both because you gave those options at the very beginning of the show. And uh, our feed cut out of uh, Eurofreak Radio, but I think we're still broadcasting on Telegram. So let me just uh, quickly say that, yeah, so uh, that uh, the the bloodline of Cain is given in Genesis chapter four. His his offspring are called Kenites, and Abraham talks about the Kenites in Genesis fifteen sixteen through eighteen. You know, Kenites the ten nations of Canaan that the Israelites were supposed to uh, take over. So this was after the flood. And the Kenites are still there in Genesis 15, 18, okay? It means they survived the flood. That's what it means, okay? So we don't believe in... Well, a, I, a, I would a, say those are the, the, the six remnants. Right. Well, yeah, but the Kenites came into being in Genesis chapter 4, right after... Well, I, I can show how they survived the flood. Okay, well, yeah, so uh, maybe we can save that for next time and we can make some bullet points. Uh, other than that, I think this this show, uh, Kim Smith is saying they hear us. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so the feed hasn't cut out of your folk radio yet. But here, let me just, since we have a little bit of time, let me just quickly go into Genesis fifteen eighteen because it's telling us that the uh, Kenites were around after the flood. 
because the flood was in chapter 6, and we're now we're in Genesis chapter 15. And it came to pass, this is verse 17, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, Yahweh made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed, this is offspring, we're talking about offspring here, have I given this land from the river Egypt and unto the great river, the river Euphrates. This was given to Abraham, not the Jews. <laughs> Abraham, not the Jews. And here are the nations. Yeah. The Kenites. The Kenites. What's the definition of the word Kenite? Kani. A Kenite. Or a member of the tribe of Cain or Cain. Okay? So these offspring of Cain that were given in Genesis chapter 4 are still here in Genesis 15. And then the rest of them, the Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaims. Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Rephaims are definitely children of the fallen angels as well, because there were giants among the Rephaim as well. Yeah. So we agree about all that stuff. Well, they, just, they, yeah. The, okay. the Raphaim, it doesn't that have the, con the context of undead or ghosts? That's <laughs> right. more of a spirit giant, right? That's the, the dead ones. Well, yeah, somehow they, they came into a physical being <laughs> and, and produced giants, right? That's the issue. How did that happen, right? Well, well no, I mean... Yeah. I mean, there, there, there were different tribes of giants mentioned, but the, yes. as far as I understand, the Raphaim were, were more like the spirits of the giants in the underworld wanting to come back. You know, uh, I, th yeah. I don't remember all the, the well, verses I, about them, but I, I, think uh, I thought that that was more of the, the undead giants specifically. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the I could be wrong about that. The definition of uh, Rapha is in the sense of invigorating a giant. The giant Rafa Rafa. So there's your hybrid vigor, <laughs> right? There's yeah. your hybrid vigor right there, folks. All right. So, uh, so the, the genealogy stems from Genesis three fifteen because Cain. So whether you agree with the seduction or not, Genesis four gives us the offspring, the bloodline of Cain. Genesis five gives us the bloodline of Seth. Okay. And Genesis 5, I believe it's verse 1 or 5-3, where it says that, that Seth resembled his father Adam. And it doesn't list Cain as being fathered by Adam. That's left out. Okay, The Bible does not say that Adam, in Genesis chapter 4, begot Cain. Okay, That's, that's your analysis of Genesis 4-1. Okay? And yeah. I, I could go into greater detail, uh, Genesis, because I've taken that verse apart word by word, even the prepositions and the articles, <laughs> right? So I have a different perspective on that. But, but uh, our perspectives are very, very close, and that's very refreshing for me to hear because anything that's not Jewish is good by me, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I, I, I really well, enjoyed no, this. There, there's it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I just wanted to add that there is – so yeah. much pain around this issue that oh, that, yeah. that people don't even understand. Pretty much, pretty much all of the wars and and most of the plagues and yes. a lot of the tragedies and, and fires that that have caused massive life uh, loss yeah. of life or, or or pain or destruction of civilizations. I mean, the Jews are responsible for most of it. They they burnt yeah. down Rome to blame the Christians and feed them right. to the lions. Exactly. They burnt down Chicago to burn uh, to, to rebuild Chicago with skyscrapers yeah. that they owned. And yeah. now look at it. They they yeah. have basically been behind. 
the death of 50% of the white people that would be alive today right. through just four different wars, statistically we, speaking. I mean, they have been you. at our throat since the beginning. Yeah. yeah, so we can say, all right, so we take it back to Genesis 3.15, you take it back to Genesis 6, but uh, the bloodlines are there. We agree that the offspring of these giants slash Nephilim, whatever you want to call it, are the Jewish people today. Okay? We agree yeah. with that much. Agreed. And that's a far cry from mainstream Christianity. All right? Yes, so I think, I think your yeah. audience and my audience ought to be happy with th that summation. In fact, I've said uh, numerous times, you don't have to believe that uh, Eve was seduced by Cain to realize there's a two different bloodlines here because the Bible gives a clearly different bloodline of Cain. You have to look through different chapters, okay? And Genesis 15 is one of them. And then you go to Canaan. And then the bloodline of Adam through Seth is given on numerous places throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, Luke chapter 3 takes Adam all the way back to Yahweh. Okay? And Cain yeah. is not in that can bloodline. I, I that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you have the last word. Just that, like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, typically, <laughs> I, I just tell people this is a moot argument because unless you're trying to prove this from a scholarly historical perspective to right. a skeptical non-Christian crowd, right. this this topic doesn't really matter. What matters and what yeah. people should take from this is that we do have evidence from a scriptural and scientific and historic, etymological, anthropological, archaeological, and and on and on. We have the evidence to prove that there is a seed of the fallen angels That's right. and that that seed line is a hybrid right. human species, which right. is basically an abomination, right. a walking demon. And it is the, the, the offspring of Satan. That's right. Now, I know I'm, I'm taking that. I'm trying to say it sternly, but it is the truth. It, is uh, it doesn't matter if it came from Cain or if it came right. from the, the daughters of Cain or the daughters of Seth and Adam later on in Genesis yeah. six, yeah, because those are the human yeah. parts. What really matters is that Satan's children hate us and they're here. Amen. They're trying to exterminate us. That's what all this COVID nonsense and the lockdowns and all this stuff going on, that's what this is all about. It's Satan's last gasp. The only hope he has to survive is to get rid of us. So we, mm -hmm. we should be taking this very, very yeah. personally. <laughs> that's true. We should be taking it yep. very, very personally. Okay. And yeah, we're not. It was a Most great chat. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. And so, yeah, we need to do this again. And, and maybe we can hone, hone it down. But, uh, you know, this was very productive, a very productive discussion. Uh, glad we set this up. And uh, we got through this w in spite of all the technical d difficulties. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dustin. Yep. Uh, yep. Wonderful having me and uh, wonderful having you. <laughs> All right. In a non-sexual sense. Yeah. <laughs> Intellectually. You. Right. Yeah. Okay. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. I don't okay. want that kind of fruit. No, no, neither. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I had a good time and I hope, yeah. I hope people so I. Uh, enjoyed it. I know it was long, but, yeah. um, you know, follow up on this. Yeah. If it's an interesting topic, I think that the topic of Nephilim and the seed war are interesting topics. I know you've done a lot of work on this. Um, yeah. I've got some of your books yeah. and I've, I've yeah. done some articles on the Serapium Hidden History Archive about the seed war. Yeah. Um, specifically, I've done a lot of lineage yeah. breakdowns, and I use I use the Jewish text. I use Jewish encyclopedias. Yeah. I use their own the, words against them as well. Right. It's not hard stuff. to prove this. Uh, right. They admit it. Yeah. The only difference between the argument we have presented and the Jewish argument is they don't follow through uh, as to who are the modern descendants of all these Nephilim and Seraphim and, and Canaanites and everything. They, they say it's us. Yeah. No, we know it's them. 
right? So that's where the argument stands between yep. us and them. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, Dustin. All right, Thank you. Take care. Yahweh bless you all. This was a great yeah. conversation. Take care, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. I've got to kill. I've got to kill the uh, stream of Eurofolk Radio before I forget.